I'm amazed, oh Lord. I'm amazed at your kindness. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. children for children's church at this time and for other announcements you can find those on Facebook TCC Facebook page or email if you don't get those emails connect with Pastor Dean and give him your email address and you'll get those
This time, we have David and Brittany Helgiger here, and they're going to share some things with us. Particularly Brittany will, but maybe David will say a word too. <laughs> Bless you. Hi, my name is Brittany Helgiger. Some of you may know me, but some of you may know. David, a bit more. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm pregnant, so extra emotions. But I'm not the only one. <laughs> Darlene would often say that she and God um, were a huge um, orchestration with our union. So thank you, Darlene. <laughs> she was a very unique and special woman of God that had an absolute heart of prayer to which God imparted. In a few moments, I'm going to read from a book called Fervent that speaks of Darlene's heart for intercessory prayer. If you haven't read, um, watched the movie War Room, go home and watch it. It is fantastic, and it really depicts um, an elderly woman departing her wisdom through the ages of strategic intercessory prayer to which we knew Darlene for. And much like this woman in the book, Darlene's was life was similar to it through being woken up by God in the wee hours of the morning to pray or just allowing the spirit to lead her in impacting the world even when it was hard or she didn't understand why. I reread what I'm about to read um, a few days before she passed and I felt strongly to go share that with her but sadly I waited a little too long and it was too late but David encouraged me to read it aloud to him and that she would hear and be encouraged. Through intentional, deliberate, strategic prayer, you grab a hold of Jesus and everything he's already done on your behalf. It's how you tap into the power of heaven and watch it reverberate in your experiences. It's a key part of your offensive weaponry against a cunning foe who prowls around and watches for your weaknesses, your vulnerable places, for any opportunity to destroy you. In prayer, you gain your strength, the power to gird yourself with armor that extinguishes every weapon your enemy wields. Paul the Apostle famously said it like this, Put on all God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. There's that word again, strategies. Schemes and deceptive plots being concocted for your demise by a very real enemy who is always primed to make his next move. He works overtime to destroy the relationships and circumstances you want to preserve. He laughs at your attempts to fix your own issues with timely words and hard work, tactics that might affect matters for a moment, but can't begin to touch his underhanded, cunning efforts down where the root issues lie, or up in those spiritual heavenly places where such physical weapons were never meant to work. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So we strap on weapons that work, weapons divinely authorized for our success in spiritual warfare, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace. Then we take up the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, as well as the sword, which is the very word of God. But we don't stop there, because neither does Paul in his description of our spiritual armor in Ephesians 6. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and pray. There it is, the fuel that drives everything, prayer. We pray till our hands are worn and wrinkled. We pray until our granddaughters are old enough to understand and learn and copy our example. We pray until they can one day place their hands across ours, gently rub our aging skin, and we smile because now they'll never forget the things that we had the good sense to record in writing for their generation. They will look back on our legacies and know that we stood strong. We fought the good fight and we finished a race in which we would not even think about letting the enemy have his way in our lives or in the lives of those we love. We pray because our own solutions don't work and because prayer deploys, activates, and fortifies us against the attacks of the enemy. We pray because we're serious about taking back the ground he has sought to take from us. I not only see this as a painting, a picture of Darlene's calling on on this earth by God, but an invitation to not let that legacy stop with Darlene, but to continue onwards with us. And like Darlene, we each have a calling to be light and walk in obedience to God with our lives. Whatever that calling is, do it with fervent tenacity like our fiery Darlene. Her presence will be missed, but as many of you know, once you meet Darlene, you never forget her. Darlene, we love you, and we look forward to dancing the streets of heaven with you and God in the future. She came to us, as Angie said, I think it was 27 years ago. And um, a southern gal, I think from Savannah, Georgia, I mean, she had an accent. Uh, She had served in the military. Thank you, Darlene, for doing that for us. Um, We set up the Valentine thing a week early because of her, the great love. Of course, Jesus is our great love. But um, Darlene had great love. Uh, Great love for Jesus, his word. I know when we would get a birthday card or anniversary card from her, there'd be a paragraph of scriptures. It would take us... At mealtime, it takes us a long time to find the reference and read through all her blessings on us through the Word of God. Great love for others, her family, 
her church family. She loved children, teens, college age, international students. And when that started, I think that's when it started with her interesting cooking. Uh, <laughs> spicy, usually, yes. Um, I actually put the word spicy concoctions. I don't think they were with the recipe. <laughs> um, she designed much of her own clothes. And um, she hired Karen Pope from our church to sew them for her. And she would, when she would come through the church door, everyone knew Darlene was present. It's like she's saying, I'm here. <laughs> that was her personality. So when I was displaying her dresses yesterday, it was just like, oh, she lo loved to dress up with a bling. And so um, in honor of her, I put a skirt on for the first time since probably last March. She would come through those doors dressed up. She knew how to dress up. Darlene loved parties. You saw some of those birthday parties. She loved that any gathering, any type of social gathering. She was the life of the party, whether it was for her or not. Um, yesterday would have been her 83rd birthday here on earth, but my, she's celebrating in heaven. And lots of dancing, we know that. I, when I was in the um, prayer room, just preparing before the service of what would Father God want me to share regarding Darlene, and I had a picture again, my mom, transitioned to heaven three years ago. And one week after she moved to heaven, he let me see like a mini vision of her, so young and beautiful, her red hair, that beautiful skin color. And she was by the river of life, and she was bending down with this huge smile. She was bending down, getting the water, and drinking it. And um, later, as I was reading books on heaven, that's real, the river of life. Those that have visited heaven have seen that, and it's like the citizens of heaven go there often, all ages. Some of them are playing in the water, whatever. And I just all of a sudden was back there in the room, and the thought came, I could see Darlene stepping into heaven, she sees the river, she runs, and she jumps in, and been doing it ever since, because <laughs> that's who Darlene is. Yep, one of a kind, unique, unforgettable. And now I'm going to weave in a blessed life moment for all of us. Darlene was a giver. She was my prayer partner. So we prayed often by phone for private situations, for world situations. 
when she would come here, we would pray in the sanctuary, wherever we went. If I'd be by the coffee bar or kitchen or whatever, it was like the prayer just came out of us. She, w- she gave herself to prayer. She also gave herself by helping however she could help, always with Steve's cup of water, greeting, ushering, uh, preparing, serving communion, or finding others to help, um, serving in some way during our coffee times and meals in the fellowship hall. She gave so many cards, so many gifts, Uh, With us, it was anniversaries, birthdays, always a fresh fruit basket was for us. And and there would be a note, don't forget your special dish in the fridge. Another one of her unique spicy concoctions. We ate most of them. (laughs) I had to be honest. So thank you, Lord. Oh, when we were working with Mom Pomp's things, we came across a card from Darlene. It was a Mother's Day card. And I'm not kidding you. It was like that tall and that wide from Darlene. I don't know where she would find a Mother's Day card that big. But she had given one to me and Mom Pomp some years ago. The scripture that came to me is 1 Timothy 6, verse 7. And I'm just, it's been with me for weeks and weeks and weeks. A summary of it would be brought nothing in, bring nothing out. It reads in one of the translations... We brought absolutely nothing with us when we entered the world. And we can be sure we will take absolutely nothing with us when we leave it. So right here now, we have the joy with Darlene's example of giving to you, Lord, and to so many others so faithfully, we continue to be those hilarious, happy, cheerful givers to you. We love to bring our tithes and offerings. We love to look for ways to bless people and help people and give of our talents and abilities. We love to do that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. This is a little bit spontaneous. I've been asked if I wanted to share something, and to be honest, nothing came until Joyce started talking. (laughs) And then it all came. I just wanted to honor Darlene. Uh, I have to give thanks uh, to her for 
teaching me to walk through walls. <laughs> uh, as you saw, some of the pictures up here were taken on a, on a trip we were together on into the Middle East. And, um, you know, we had lots of guidelines regarding culture, regarding how we present ourselves, etc. And, uh, you know, we had training beforehand on how to be appropriate and everything. And I'll tell you what, I, I learned that none of those rules applied to Darlene. <laughs> <laughs> and they shouldn't have, because she, where we thought there was a wall, where we thought we could go this far and no farther, she walked right through it. Uh, and uh, I found out that, that grandmothers in the Middle East have no rules. They can do whatever they want. And um, there were some wonderful occasions where we went into a, a tea house, happened to be an all-male tea house. Uh, I think someone needed the restroom. And I was talking to somebody, and I turned around, and there was Darlene with a prayer line of people she was praying for <laughs> in the tea house. And they were lining up voluntarily. They wanted her to pray. Um, I'll never forget uh, uh, Darlene having a, a hot pepper eating contest with a local mosque leader. <laughs> and I think she won, but she paid for it the next day. <laughs> um, a couple of her phrases that, that stuck with me um, that will always stick with me. One is how she talked when she would get mad at the devil. She, would, she said, I'm going to stomp him so hard, even the buzzards can't find him. <laughs> and uh, a good lesson I learned from her was she often said, if she, was, if she was feeling discouraged, she would say, well, God doesn't come to my pity parties, so I sh I'm not going to have any, because <laughs> he doesn't come to them. Yeah, that's true. And uh, the last thing, I um, hope I'm not stealing somebody else's line here, but... Uh, hardly ever had a conversation with her and said goodbye without her saying, I love you, but God loves you more. Yes, that's true. Thank you, Adam. Yes, and Darlene, last few years of her life on the earth, she was readying herself. She was getting ready to transition to heaven, and she mentioned that different times. She also would say that her favorite place to be was in church. Her favorite day was Sunday, and her favorite place was with the family of God, her brothers and sisters. And uh, she told me, I think Joyce was there too, she says, I want to die in church. And I said, Darlene, please don't do that. <laughs> she said it Sunday after Sunday, and finally I pulled her aside. I says, dear, you might want that, but you know what you leave behind when you breathe your last breath? Someone has to take care of that. And I says, there's going to be kids around or whatever. And I said, uh, Please stop saying that. <laughs> but she got a revelation of, okay, 
yeah, <laughs> a better way. <laughs> yeah. And she actually, first time, she said, I want to die right when I'm dancing up in front. <laughs> she says, yeah, right there. She's telling us, right in front of the Thurlows there. She wanted to exit go right from there. She said, please, Darlene. <laughs> but she is dancing on the streets that are golden, we know, with others. Um, it was three years ago that Joyce's mom passed, but the August before that, I had a phone call from her mom. She said, Steve, will you do my funeral service? And I paused, there was a pause, and then I said, yes, I will. Uh, and then she said, I'd like you to read scripture about passing on our spiritual heritage from one generation to the next. And then she said, my father, would often pray at our mealtime a prayer from Psalm 90 about this. And so let's look there in Psalm 90, what that was. It says, Lord, this is verse 1, Thou hast been our habitation from generation to generation. Um, and then it goes on, on in Psalm 90, a few more verses here. You were God before the mountains were born, before the earth and the world were made, you have always been and always will be God. Teach us how short our lives are so that we can become wise. And you know, that's the thing. When you look back, it seems short. When you're looking ahead, you know, 80 years or what, 90 seems a long time. But when you look back, fill us with your love every morning. Let us be happy and enjoy our lives. Let your servants see the wonderful things you can do for them. And let their children see your glory. Lord our God, be kind to us. Make everything we do successful. Yes, make it successful. And so I was preparing that for that for Joyce's mom's service that, and using that scripture. And then Joyce in her devotion times after her mother passed there in the next days found a couple more scriptures that speak to that theme. One is Psalm 145 verse 4. It says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And also Psalm 78 4 through 7, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and mighty wonders. He commands our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach them to their children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So 
Grandma Rosebaum's desire and request, and now I believe Darlene Colson's desire and request as well, would be that these things be imparted to the younger generations of her children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, but all the people, like Joyce was saying, that she had met. Um, when um, Brittany shared with me what she was going to be reading this morning about the intercession and so forth, and I'm being passed down and uh, to the next generations and how she had received some of that from Darlene, it just quickened this in me, that this is what would be the heart of the Lord for this, for the message for this time. Um, but so it goes for Darlene's natural, biological children and grandchildren, but also for all the lives that she touched while she was experiencing her journey here on this earth. So now we have the opportunity to honor her and her memory by following her example and wholly entrusting our hearts to his lordship. The lordship of Jesus Christ. And then living out our lives like true believers in Jesus. And when we truly do this, our children and grandchildren, biological and spiritual, relational, will see the example of our lives and they will in turn desire to know God for themselves. And this is coupled with that intercession that Brittany was talking about, reading about. Intercessory prayer for them. And as we share here now about Darlene, we can hear that echo of the same sentiments and desires from others we know who have recently passed onto their home in heaven as well. We think of Bob Johnson. We think of great grandma Joyce Pomp, Bud Sorheim, Karen Pope, Jack Kootley, Joyce's uncle Marv Rosabone. You know, we have a cloud of witnesses. There's others that you know of. And what's their desire? They're in the cloud of witnesses now. What's their desire? It's the passing of the baton. I mentioned that a few weeks ago when we had a similar time for my mom on a Sunday morning. The passing of the baton. And I talked to her about that because I believe it was one of the things that was holding. There was something, I think she could have gone quicker, but she, she, there was something holding her back, and I think maybe part of it, she wanted to get the word out, that's why. You know, she wanted to continue doing that, but then I shared with her, I says, we'll take that baton, that torch, Mom. You just be free. You just be free to go to your Savior and to heaven. Um, but their desire and prayer is that the reality of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ and our running with that torch or baton of abundant life that he offers us will be passed on to future generations. That abundant light, that Zoe life, that God kind of life 
the baton of knowing and experiencing God's peace, comfort, and help in the midst of future, in the midst of the trials and tribulations of life, even those that we're experiencing now. The baton of allowing God's word to be the great influence of our lives, upon our lives, and influencing how we live our lives, even when the strong pull of the world and culture around us would try to pull us away, sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly. Sometimes the subtle ways are a harder strategy than to, to resist than the ones that are more blatant. But they would try to draw us in different directions, the directions of the world, the directions of the culture, the directions of our feelings rather than our spirit person. Running with the baton that is exemplified by living our lives with God's love, God's joy, and God's peace. Living our lives in our homes, our workplaces, our schools, churches, with honesty and integrity and kindness. Living our lives like we really believe what the Bible says. Living that way. And I believe they would add enjoying everyday life. Enjoying it. As the Bible says, rejoice evermore. And in order for this to happen in our lives, and I believe most of you anyway here, and most of you that are watching, but maybe not all of us, have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That was one of the other requests that Darlene had for this service, that the simple gospel message be presented. And so we're going to do that right now. It's simple, it's not lengthy, but it's real and it's powerful. Change our lives in an instant. From walking dead people to walking live people. New creations. And maybe you don't know. Do you know that God really loves you? He's not mad at you. You know, John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. God wants what's best for you and for me both in this life and in the life to follow. And let me tell you today, that life is real. Just as real, more real than this one. It is real. There is reality. When we slip out of this body, I say we, our spirit being, slips out of this house, this house of clay, we don't cease to exist. 
And when we're in Christ Jesus, we move right into that eternity with him. He escorts us there. Yeah, he wants what's best for us, just like a parent or grandparent desires the best for their children. If you think God is angry with you and is just trying to find things that are wrong so that he can reject you, you're wrong because he took out all that anger and all the price for all the sin, all the mistakes we've made, the sin, where we've gone other than his way, he laid that all on Jesus. Jesus paid it all. He took care of all of it. All of it. John 10.10 The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's what God's desire is for us, for eternity. And yes, even here on this earth, and yes, even in the midst of the trials, right in the midst of all the junk, that we still can have joy, great joy in him. But you see, the problem is that sin separates us. It has separated us from the loving Father. Sin separates us from his plan and desire for our life now and for eternity. Sin is missing the mark. It's taking the wrong course. It's doing it my way instead of God's way. God's way is the way of life. God's way is the way of love and truth. That is the good way, God's way. And this sin can show itself either through actively or actively rebelling against God or it can be just passive indifference about God. I think a lot of times that's even more where it is for a lot of people. It's more just, well... They go through life and they just are indifferent. They just do not seek God. They aren't thinking about eternity. And that's where intercession comes in again. I'm going to ask you right now to do this with me, to be thinking of someone you know that doesn't know the Lord and I say the Lord, there are Christians that aren't walking with Jesus as their Lord also. But you know some that just have not received Christ as their Savior. Think of them and be in intercession for them. Be in prayer for them. Be in prayer. It says in Romans 3.23, Yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glorious ideal of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's separation. That's what death is. Physical death is when my spirit is separated from my body. That's what it is. 
spiritual death is when I'm separated from God, and that's where I'm at until I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. But Jesus bridges that separation gap between us and God the Father. He died for us while we were still sinners. He died for you. He died for you. Died for you, all of us. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us, sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Not after we got good enough first. And that's not the way it is for our lives either. Stop trying to be good enough and then receive Christ. That's not the way it works. And yes, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the only way to God, the Father. He is the only way. You aren't the way, being good enough. No other God is the way. Jesus is the one that raised from the dead. And it's very important that he raised from the dead. Because if he hadn't raised from the dead, I wouldn't be standing here speaking this today. But he did. He did. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's do a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, yes, and the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except by means of me. So we can't get united with our Heavenly Father any other way. And first, sure, not by our own works. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's a gift. It's a gift of God. And then 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it's perfectly proper for God to do this. It's perfectly proper for God to do this. For us. Because Christ died to wash away our sins. And that's exactly what he did. So we are not talking here about earning our salvation by adhering to a list of rules and regulations. That's not what we're talking about. Rather, we're talking about coming into a personal relationship with the God of the universe through believing the sacrifice in the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Each of us must personally, now listen to this, listen to this, and this is the word we got to get out to people, and, but this is a word maybe you need to hear today. If you're watching this, each of us must personally decide to believe God's word. I need to decide to believe the Bible. 
It's a decision. It's a choice. I decide. That's a decision. To believe this is the word of God. It's amazing. Truly amazing. I need to decide to believe it. What it says. And it's my choice to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior from sin and its evil effects. And that's what this word tells us, even as we've been reading today. When we make that choice, it opens the door for us to experience God's love, his life, his plan for our lives. And here's another really important thing. It's not just knowing about him, about Jesus and his Father, but it's knowing him. There's a big difference. And it's not just about going to church or being baptized or having parents or grandparents that were Christians. It is about opening, we could say, the door of our heart, opening the door of our heart, our spirit, and letting him into our lives, allowing him to be the Lord of our life. Allowing him to be, I said, the Lord of our life. Receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. He's there. He's desiring to come. He's paid the price already. He wants to receive you into his family, into his kingdom. And he's waiting for you now to make that decision. And I have here a prayer for receiving Jesus as our Savior that I'm going to go through line by line. And I'm going to ask those that are here to affirm it. If you are already a believer, just say it to affirm it in your heart. But if you are not, I ask you to make that choice right now to receive Christ as your Savior. Make that choice now. Don't wait. Don't wait any longer. So I'm going to say a phrase, and you can repeat it after me under the Lord. I'd like you to say it out loud, and then I'll go to the next phrase. Father God, I know that I have sinned. I need a Savior. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for me. I believe that he went to hell for me. I believe that he rose from death. I confess all my sin. I receive forgiveness. I receive your eternal life. I declare 
Jesus is now my Lord. I know that I am part of your family now. I know that your Holy Spirit now lives within me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you made that decision and you prayed that prayer with me, it's not according to your feelings. You may feel something. But that's not what we go by. It's by faith we receive. And I am telling you that if you prayed that prayer, you made that decision from your heart, not because of feeling or rationalization, but just from your heart to him, believing his word. You are now transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And God's Spirit, who we call Holy Spirit, is now joined together with your spirit, and you are now a new creation. Eternal. And you shall never die, Jesus said it in John 11. We believe in him. He said you will never die. That, of course, means spiritually dying. The day will either come that we lay down this physical body in death that day, or Jesus is coming, you know. He's coming again, and those that are still here that fast, these bodies will be changed in bodies like Jesus had. I'm just reading about it again in Luke. was a body of flesh and bone but the life was not in the blood but in the spirit but his body was a body when he came into where the disciples were they could hardly believe it they still could hardly believe it even seeing him he said give me some food he ate some fish but he also had just come right through the wall those are the kind of bodies we'll have forever. It's real, it's true, and these folks that have got on, Darlene, today, we're remembering, they're saying, it is right, it is true. What the Bible says, it's not a fairy tale, it is the truth. Get in there and find it out. Find out what it is and tell others about it, because when you get here, You'll find out, yes, then it's not by faith anymore. Then it's by sight. But see, we're walking and we're believing, we're living by faith. And now we're going to obey what the Lord Jesus told us to do when he instituted the Lord's Supper or communion. And we want to invite all believers in Jesus Christ. And even those that just received him now, to partake. There are, for us, you can get ready at home, those that are watching, but those of us that are here, we have 
these little cups, and they're in the seats. They're in the, there's a little thing in the front. Just go ahead and get one. Um, if you can't find one, they should be in the, the front of the seats, or just go around and get one somewhere. And Bob has a few extras here, too, so just raise your hand if you can find one, okay? Just raise your hand up, and we'll get one to everybody. Because we have both the bread and the grape juice in here. But uh, let's look at Luke twenty-two seventeen. Taking the cup, Jesus blessed it. This was the Last Supper, just before he was fulfilling the word. Then he said, take this and pass it among you. As for me, I'll not drink wine again until the kingdom of God arrives. And then taking bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Eat it in my memory. He did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant written in my blood. Blood poured out for you. So this meal represents the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. And if you just take that, there's a top flap on there. And you just rip it open like that. I got it this time. Last time I couldn't get it. And there's a little wafer there. This represents the body of Christ that was broken for us, that we might be whole. And you can break that. You know, that represents he was broken for us, that your body might be whole. That one song we sang, something about miracles, Terry McCollum, I believe it was. What was the phrase? Miracles? He's a miracle. What? You do miracles today? And that is today, January 31, 2021. He does miracles today. And he wants to do a miracle in your body today. I truly believe that. If you're dealing with some kind of a physical ailment, both here in the sanctuary, but those that are watching, he wants to heal you. And this is like a point of contact or a point of release of our faith as we partake of it. But that's wholeness in body, but also in soul, in your mind and emotions, and also breaking off habits that are not good. Anything that would be making you less than whole in your life. And yes, he wants to do that. And the thing is, for us it is like layers of an onion. It isn't like it's all in one shot. But there's a layer that he wants to do today. So let's partake of that. Okay, then there's one more in here. Can you get that?
Everybody got it open? I had to start mine on the side, actually. I couldn't get it in the little lip. This represents the blood of Jesus. Or it says the remission or remitting or deleting. And this means deleting where you never can find it. Demolishing. Destroying of our sin. All sin. And so don't be in condemnation. If you've been experiencing condemnation as you partake today and we're remembering Jesus, what he did for us, just let that condemnation just flow right out of you. All right? In Jesus' name, let's partake together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Good Lord, you're so good. And we're so thankful that we will know you forever and ever and ever. But we'll also know Darlene forever and ever and ever. We'll also know these others forever that we mentioned earlier and some we didn't mention. All of those that have gone on before us, that are now in that great cloud of witnesses. We're so thankful as we remember. And we would, in this hour, when we sense a lot of darkness around us, Lord, we would shine as your lights, as your city set on a hill in a dark place where the light shines in the night to bring light for those sojourners that are seeking. And we thank you for a hungering and a thirsting after you and those people that you brought to our mind or even are bringing now to be praying for that have not received you or maybe are walking as believers but really haven't submitted to the Lordship of God because they think their way is better. We pray for them as well. And we will intercede for them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And amen. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and his presence is here. He's here with us. The angels are here with us and there's that cloud of witnesses. Do they see us and how do they see us? I don't know how they see us but I think there's glimpses that they have sometimes. And sometimes from this end we get glimpses of there. Just think of Stephen when he was being stoned. He had the glimpse he saw. Saw the very throne of God. You know, Jesus is here. He's smiling on you. His smile, his smile is very big on you because he loves you so much. He loves you more than you ever know. He's the heart of what love is.
Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And the Lord's face is shining upon us, and we're His those who go forth to shine as well. Amen? If anyone would like prayer, you may come forward. God bless you all.